0: Verilum Sports. Hello again and welcome to Verilum Sports Podcasting. This is Tony Rice, a very excited Tony Rice because I love this time of year. It's the return of the Six Nations and to build up to this weekend's opening round of fixtures, we are delighted to be welcomed again by a friend of the show, the Scholar of the game of rugby union the voice of the old a's it's the mighty and indeed legendary mr brian quinn welcome back to Birmingham sports brian how are
1: you i'm good thank you but still a bit embarrassed by an intro like that but thank you very much <laughs>
0: Well, I tell you what, honestly, I, I, life for me is catchphrase, Brian, I say it as I say it, so there we go. And I've got to tell you, any uh, would-be scholars of the game of Rugby Union, you know, I want to give a big thank you and a shout out to Your Shout to Me, available on Amazon, The History of uh, Rugby Union, six-part series, a series, I've seen four, really compelling. A little bit of a whistle-stop tour, as these things tend to be. But if you like your rugby served up with a uh, context of historical and sociological uh, activity, well worth a view. So I appreciate the shout there, Brian. It's been compelling.
1: You're very welcome. It was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. you.
0: Hey, and one of the core elements of that, one of the most historical aspects of uh, the game of rugby in all its evolving forms is the now Six Nations Uh, I remember it was the Four Nations way back when, but there we go. Anyway, it gets underway this very weekend. And we'll start off with the opening game, the opening fixture, Saturday the 6th, Italy versus France. Italy without a Six Nations win since an away victory over Scotland, I think, back in 2015. Over 20 fixtures away, that one. France improving, aren't they? Under Gaultier and that man, uh, the gnarly old or you know, wise, I think is fair to say. Sean Edwards, hell of a combination. And I think you and I are rather optimistic that this is a French outfit going in the right direction. Surely, only one winner in this clash of the Gallic. Uh, Latino elements of the six nations
1: uh, have I got it wrong Tony aren't uh, Italy visiting Paris uh, or is it in Rome it's I, in
0: Rome I believe I think Italy hosts this week yeah
1: I've got things round uh, the wrong way it's still as far as I can see will not be a happy weekend for the Italians uh and bearing in mind that they've got the visit to twickenham the week afterwards i don't think there's going to be too many victory dances being done in uh, in gallic fashion or at least in italian fashion um in either of those two weekends it's going to be a tough time for them france have options now and so many times we've said this the silly thing of old which team will turn up well france these days every team turns up and probably a worst nightmare as well, because not only can they attack, which they've always been able to do, but now they can defend, and they can defend uh, specifically with reference to them, the man you just mentioned, that Sean Edwards. He does change teams, and he's been doing it in league and union for 30 years.
0: A winner born and bred, and he instills that attitude, and everywhere he's gone, he's been victorious. Uh, I'd go into any trench with that man, I tell you. Uh, I'm really excited, objectively, for France. I mean, obviously, those with uh, reasonably good memories, the last French encounter uh, competitively was against England, but just in case you can't recall that, they took England into extra time of the Autumn Nations Cup. Um, no real shock in that, except for the fact that that was a French side shorn of 25% full internationals i think their starting lineup that day only had 84 cabs versus an england outfit who had in excess of 800 so it was on paper really england's day and they took the day but that just shows what you've explained brian that this is a french side now with a culture of confidence but also a wealth of talent to call upon
1: if you give France, uh, or if France develop confidence, they think on their feet. They play smiling rugby. They play with their heads up. They're looking for opportunities at all states, and that's from one to fifteen across the field. Uh, it is something that England have not, sadly, yet learned to do, in my not so humble opinion. France do it automatically, but they've been on the back foot for years and years and years. Now suddenly they must be smiling because of the options that they put about. They supposedly fielded a third team against England uh, a few months ago. Uh, Well, that's an arguable point. Who knows? Who cares? What happened was that they took England to the wire. England just about snaffled a victory at the end of it. England should have been doing far better than that again, in my opinion. uh, They didn't. They did come out with a victory, and that will improve confidence. But France are the ones with the momentum going forward at the minute, it seems to me.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And they are my tip already for 2023, uh, their home World Cup. But obviously, a lot of rugby will go uh, on before that day. Um, Moving on then, we're talking in England. uh, They're hosting Scotland uh, this weekend at the 4.45 kickoff on Saturday. Uh, England defending champions will give them that. Eddie Jones has obviously taken England to a World Cup final. Um, He's also claimed three Six Nations championships in five years. It took uh, another great coach, Sir Clive Woodward, seven years to get to that level of three Six Nations. So in terms of a culture of winning, nobody can dispute that. What I think we're inclined to uh, agree with, Brian, is that the brand of rugby that England are playing at this time is somewhat limited to be quite kind. Are you looking, this tournament, for England to be more expansive or are you expecting same old pragmatic England?
1: No, I I don't think it's going to be that much more expansive, because if it was, the coaches would have been shouting their heads off about it, and as yet, they haven't. Nobody in the squad. What they have said is that they've adopted the nebulous concept that, well, we've got so much left in the field, we've got so much that we can do. I am frightened by the the, uh, power that's in this side, by the uh, options that we have, by the way that we can do far better. Well, if they, they've had all that for a number of years now, and my question would be, why haven't they done it so far? I, I don't think I ask for a great deal. If you have possession, and you are confident of possession, then use the ball. Use it in all sorts of ways, because you're trying to befuddle the opposition. You're trying to score tries where the opposition aren't. It's not hugely complicated. It takes a game of communication and support. And if you have that, you can do wonderful things. Clive Woodward said, uh, was it 20 years ago now? uh, I seem to remember that, what are you trying to do in rugby? You're trying to create a two-on-one anywhere on the field. That's all you're trying to do. It's not a complicated thing. If you can do that, eventually you will find a hole. You will make mistakes. You can guarantee that. And it's the side which recovers from those quickest, which tends to go on to win. I started off by saying France had the options. England have had the options for years. As yet, I don't think they've used them.
0: No, I think that is indeed the case. A lot of uh, kicking possession. And I know there's lots of uh, data crunching, which has become uh, very trendy. That uh, kind of indicates that that's a positive. I'm not sold on it, personally, Brian. What, one thing that I am confused about from an england perspective is that they have such firepower in the back three and indeed across the back line and i just can't understand why we are not cutting loose again i harp back to one of the best games of rugby that i've seen in recent years objectively speaking was when england absolutely mullered new zealand in that world cup semi-final yeah they were direct yeah they were uh powerful but they were precise and it was a complete game of rugby so clearly they have that capability i just can't fathom why at this moment in time literally since that moment feels years ago that we haven't put it all together
1: it feels almost as if the challenge isn't great enough to be worthy of England's attention. Well, in the World Cup final, the challenge was every bit as big as it's ever going to get. Uh, and England came second. That's a matter of record now, as so obviously we know. The The thing is, I don't know if the players are taught to enjoy the game enough. I'm not sure if that actually is is happening it has to be a wonderful thing to play a game and it never happened to me sadly I, I wish it had i'd have given anything for that to go on a side with that sort of quality around me and to be able to say express yourself run pass support make mistakes experiment and if it doesn't work try again we'll try something else we've always got plan a to fall back on which is the power game uh, england have that in in spades all across the board they are they have a very good defense still, even even though they have not got Sean Edwards. They would be world beaters all the time, consistently, I believe, if Edwards was there with them, but he's never even been offered an interview, uh, which again is another bugbear of mine. He, to, talking about statistics, uh, again, a Woodwardism. He said specifically about the 2003 campaign that it takes 20 seconds to score a try, and that was a statistic born from anywhere on the field and all right they they had the drop goal winning uh attempt attempt by johnny wilkinson at the end uh, to win the world cup in 2003 but it was any sort of scoring opportunity he said take every opportunity you get including drop goals but it takes 20 seconds to score a try from literally anywhere on the field and I'm not the smartest of coaches. I'll leave that to people like him. But England still had those options. And the players, I would suggest, are stronger, bigger, fitter, smarter, uh, and better turned out than they were even in 2003. And they were pretty good then. So what can England do? They have it to throw away if that's what they want to do. Uh, I hope they don't because they can be a hugely exciting side, as you've already said, when they turn New Zealand over in such fine style.
0: It's a big game. Um, looking forward to this one. And before we just move on and uh, discuss Scotland, uh, one man who may have the keys to unlocking the skills that we know are there in this England backline. Is young Ed Robinson, son of Andy, who many will recall, a uh, great player with Bath in his day, England star as well, and I think coach Scotland and indeed England. Um, so his pedigree strong. Just 28 years of age, come in because um, one of the previous skills coaches uh, based in Australia cannot travel at this time. Um, he's Interestingly, um, just come from Jersey Reds. Um, but Eddie Jones has been in communicato with him for some time, rates him highly. And a guy we rate highly, who I think will be an England star before all too long, uh, currently playing his trade at Bristol, but Saracen's own, Max mallins speaks very highly of young Ed Robinson. Wondering if in the limited time that he's going to have, his philosophy on the game, willingness to experiment, may. Just have a little bit of a rub through. I'm intrigued to see what influence, if any, Ed Robinson might have over the Six
1: Nations. I think on a personal basis, the biggest thing that somebody like Robinson can do is to add even more enthusiasm. Uh, If you are, are positive in everything you say around the players, to the players, with the players, if you lead them in that way, make them smile. When it's appropriate make them snarl when it's not uh, if, if robinson can do that that sort of leadership it, it doesn't take acres and acres and and decades of rugby coaching to do that it's man management and it's leadership uh, if he can do that he can certainly add something there uh, again hopefully he can get england to play with their heads up with a smile on their face, looking for opportunities and communicating as loudly as they can to each other about what options are available. If they do that, uh, as I've said before, it's a simple game. I hope Robinson can instill that in them.
0: Yeah, we'll watch this space. Uh, Scotland, I think, are a team trending up uh, under t- uh, Townsend. Really impressed with some of their brand of rugby and some of their also ability to eke out victories, thinking back uh, to recent, uh, what was quite a rare occurrence, a Scotland victory over Wales uh, just recently. Impressed with them? Again, I think they have an um, array of talents, Um, Also, in recent years, they came storming back, didn't they, from a 35-point, I think, half-time deficit to really take England right to the wire. So this is a Scotland team who, if they are even for one second overlooked or underrated, have the danger meant to be a real threat. Can you possibly, Brian, envisage upset with a Scottish victory at Twickenham uh, this Saturday?
1: Yes, I can. Uh, I, I could not say that if the opposition or Scotland's opposition were, was France, let's say, or New Zealand, uh, or South Africa. But I can say it with England, because now, you know, do we think which England team turns up? Because there were two England sides last time against Scotland at Twickenham. The first one was absolutely magnificent. Put not a foot wrong, and at half time whether figuratively or literally, just decided, well, job's done, isn't it? So let's uh, let's stop now. Half of you can go home and the other half can take a rest. Uh, well, they didn't take a rest, but it looks like they did. And it's a matter of leadership. And England did not possess the relevant leadership that day, not at the very top level. Scotland in the second half, even after a halftime confrontation between a certain Russell and a certain coach, they came out, fired up and decided, listen, if we're going to get slaughtered, then we'll go down fighting. Well, they suddenly found they weren't going to get slaughtered and they were very unlucky to lose that match.
0: They absolutely were and it lives in memories. I'm sure that will be used as motivation this weekend. Uh, I'm excited for this one. I think England will be too strong for Scotland, uh, but I think it will be a compelling game of rugby. Looking forward to it. So moving on to one that will be compelling, Brian Quinn, you speak always about a Celtic storm and two Celtic storms collide in uh, one maelstrom this weekend. It's Wales against Ireland, unfortunately, obviously no fans of the Principality, but um, this is a Wales team under a certain degree of pressure. The Pivic era, it has to be said, hasn't got off to an exhilarating start. Only three wins in ten for the Pivic regime. Ireland, of course, slightly underwhelming as well under Farrell. So two relatively new coaches at their teams colliding in a Celtic Maelstrom. What are you expecting for the Sunday Clash?
1: I, I think it will be very close. Uh, Celtic storm, I'm not expecting there to be much of that. I think it will be a titanic forward battle. And maybe the halfbacks of, of either side can provide the spark, which which will lead to, to a win. Both sides in transition, I think we're agreed on that. Uh, both coaches in one way or another desperate for for a win, certainly to start the signations, but also uh, for Wales to put one over on Ireland and Ireland to uh, do the same when, when it comes to Wales. It's a difficult one to call. Um, I suppose the heart says Ireland. Um, however, Wales have to draw on their wonderful, wonderful home history. And Pivak has to get it into the heads of the players, come on lads, it doesn't matter what age we are, whether we're out out of position, whether you consider yourself a second, third, first choice, whatever you happen to be. Let's put everything into it. Uh, And we have shown time and again what we're capable of. So I I don't know, Wales should win this, Um, even though the heart says Ireland. I'll go for Wales in this respect.
0: Just, you know, I'm back in Ireland for this one. I think they have overall slightly further ahead in their transition process than the Welsh are. But the reason I'm actually going that way, Brian, and I'm sure you'll be able to give us your insight into this titan of the game, is that Paul O'Connell comes in to the Ireland folders as forwards coach. Uh, you know, one of the all-time greats. We speak about leadership. Uh, we know how much of a leader Alan Wynne-Jones is on field for Wales, the most capped player of all time. But honestly, Paul Connell, done it for Ireland, done it for the Lions, uh, in the same breath for me as a Martin Johnson, of great leadership locks in the last quarter of a century. Uh, I think that's a great, savvy coaching decision and I think he will inspire and I think it will bring a lot to the party just give us your recollections and your thoughts on the O'Connell factor here
1: O'Connell one of the best I have this dream in my mind I'd love to have seen by time slip Willie John and Paul O'Connell in the same second row <laughs>
0: Do You know what? I, I don't know if I should admit this but there's something in me slightly salivating over that <laughs>
1: No, it's a rude thing. We need to to go outside into the cold air sometime very soon after that. I'd love to see the look on the opposite pair of locks when those two sauntered onto the field. (laughs) It would have been quite something. Uh, Not only was he a wonderful player and his playing career sadly cut short, uh, he's a magnificent pundit and not a bad commentator either. He's good value for money when he's on the TV. And this is just due to his ability to, to communicate so well. He can communicate in no, no no bother at all with everybody that's in that forward pack and in, in the reserves. And he will <laughs> ensure that they are made well aware of what the duties are, what's acceptable and what isn't. Paul O'Connell never, ever gave less than 100% on the field. And that's what he will demand of his charges. I'm looking forward to seeing that.
0: Ryan, I'm still kind of... Just in awe of the prospect of those two all time greats. Uh, kind of, if, they, if we had a time machine or something, it would be phenomenal. Uh, but so many great second rows over the time, times. So that's an interesting chat for another day. But uh, what's almost upon us is the here and the now and this 2021 instantiation of the Six Nations. No fans, alas, but there will be plenty of passion, uh, plenty of class rugby, I'm sure, and plenty of Celtic storms of affronting. So, Brian, again, I always value your time. I'll let you go for now. I look forward to picking things up with you next week to review and continue to build throughout this wonderful tournament. And as always, wishing you and clan Quinn, every continued joy and success thanks again as,
1: as ever tony it's a tremendous pleasure thanks very much talk to you next week
0: top man thanks a million